1: When I was a child, I put away childish things. Now, abiding faith, hope, love, and the greatest of these is.
0: Paul to open! Paul to open! Yes, and what do you do? We have seen hell. Ah, oh dear, dear. What is it? The curse of Finry. 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 A natural
1: source of lethal poisons. Come, I'll show you it all. Here
0: come the drums! Here come the drums. Here come the drums.
1: hello 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 hello. and welcome to pull to open the ongoing quest to watch all of doctor who even the very bad bits in completely random order my name's chris taylor
0: and I'm Pete I wonder why Chris framed it that way. Very interesting. <laughs> nice little digression. Yeah. Oh, guys, I'm tipping my hand there or... a little bit. Yeah. You might be revealing that we are a cursed podcast, and it's as totally a cursed, cursed podcast, we are very familiar with curses. We the thing We're about curses with... is you eventually have to deal with them. You need yeah. you have to either be accept that you're cursed forever, or uh, have to excise the curse somehow. So. Perhaps a little of that will be happening today, but That's before right. we, we excise we our have, curses, uh, yeah.
1: Well, we we should sort of quickly catch uh, listeners up because our exactly. uh, listeners don't know about our seaborne curse that may become relevant today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we 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 made a mistake at one point in our journey where we were supposed to go to the cursed black spot, and we. G-
0: I'm glad you've said we, we <laughs> because it's we're a, a team podcast,
1: mistake. exactly. <laughs> make mistakes as a team and you know we it's it's fine it's all good it just means that we're cursed nothing wrong with that just meant that we had to go to a lot of pirate stories for a while and now apparently we're going to the only other doctor Who story with a curse in the title but we'll we will get nope. there we'll get there but pete, not the only other not the only <laughs> other okay so that that helps preserve the mystery pete Why don't you catch the fine folks up on our random journey recently?
0: Well, previously on Pull to Open, we were (laughs) escaping something. It wasn't a curse, but it was a group of goofy Daleks. They were (laughs) in their own time machine, which was surprisingly competent. It was a great machine. It was actually much better able to be steered than the TARDIS, but... He, that, that, never mind that. Never mind that. Let's actually never talk about that again. That was uh, three stories ago in the chase. Uh, but Otherwise we matter, wanted the to do of the Dottis. Yes. Well, what we didn't realize at the time that this was the first in a Dalek trilogy in pull to Open. Mm-hmm. So right from the chase, the randomizer took us to a. Was something remembered? John Pertwee, adventure. Yes. <laughs> I almost said well remembered, oft remembered. I don't think it's either of those things, but it is and remembered. Occasionally remembered story. Occasionally remembered story for the Daleks not being able to shoot anyone for about half an episode before they equipped themselves with some machine guns. Uh, this was, of course, death to the Daleks. And. Yes. The less said about that one, the better, probably. I think we should. Uh, it's it's yes, kind of yeah. like one of those trilogies where the middle part is just kind of filler. Yeah. And. The, it, it, yeah,
1: it was kind of cursed. That's, yeah, that's just a little it, bit. It was cursed. Uh, and by the way, there, there was a, a watery curse going on in the chase. Oh, yes. Uh, with the, the Marie Celeste. Uh, so, definitely yeah. cursed the Daleks. Yeah, and there was definitely... I like, felt like there was a curse on the Daleks and, and death to the Daleks, my
0: goodness. Mm. Well, and then there was an ancient curse that bubbled up from the sewers to the Dalek oh, yeah. City in the last part of our trilogy where we attacked the Magician's Apprentice, and The Witch is Familiar, all one story, of course, the Series 9 opener for Capaldi. Mm. Uh, A lot of weighty things to get in there with Dalek lore and Davros and the Master slash Missy. Arguably, the curse of the hybrid
1: began there. Uh, A a curse on the entire Dalek race, infected now with uh,
0: regeneration energy, thanks to the Doctor. Surprisingly, with so many bad guys in that one, no one yells curses at the end. So... (laughs) alas has anyone actually done that in in Doctor Who come to think of it I know Joe Grant does it ironically once Um, so yeah we can count that we can count that but that's it we're done we're done with Daleks maybe for a while maybe until next week we don't know but what we're dealing with now certainly is curses and one curse in particular and it's from season 26 serial 3 the curse of Fenric Yes. Now, The Curse of
1: Fenric, as you may know, uh, even if you're not a fan of the Sebastian McCoy Doctor, is kind of widely regarded as one of his best. I think that's fair to say, It's funny
0: you say that, because I happen to have the recent Doctor Who magazine that polls Mm. everyone, or rather the fans, for what are the best stories in every Doctor's run. And I have it here, I can't really see myself very well, but the... The number two spot right after Remembrance of the Daleks is in fact the curse of Fenric. So it so, is well yeah. regarded in fans' minds, at least And in, that is,
1: uh, that's unchanged by McCoy standards. If, yeah, that's unchanged from the 2014 poll when it was second to Remembrance of the
0: Daleks. Yeah, it's so. always been up there, I think. Yeah, I've actually, you know, actually that has the previous ones. Yeah, it's always been two. It's always been number two. Remembrance has always been number one.
1: Yeah, so I was kind of looking forward to this one. I, I I should say that I've I've tried to watch Curse of Fenric before. I have a whole issue with McCoy. We got into that if you watch or listen to the rage quitting episode, we talked about my rage mm. movie at the very beginning of the McCoy era. So I was, so always- wait a minute, you hadn't you hadn't seen this before? I what I'd done was I'd watched episode one of the Curse of Fenric about three times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I get it. I say no so more confused. i get it
1: so confused that i couldn't go any further yeah
0: <clears throat> all right well we're going to get into all of it we're not just episode 1 but 2 3 and 4 and the story as a whole uh also as part of the speaking of trilogies the ace trilogy which is this is the second mm. part of not filler i will just say um but before we get into any of that i want to tell everyone guys if you're not on YouTube, why aren't you on YouTube? Or at least following us on YouTube. We're at youtube.com slash pull to open. Yes, let's wave to the folks who can see us. Uh, and if you're on Spotify video podcasts, that's a good place to see us too. But on YouTube, all the action is really happening. There's a lot of great discussion happening on the podcast. And we now have a membership program, everyone. If you haven't heard, you can also become a true companion of pull to open. Yes, you can uh, essentially uh, subscribe to the podcast, not just with... Your time and intention, but with those uh, the, those satsumas in your pocket, those dollars, those those uh, the, whatever currency you have, we'll accept it all. But it's a uh, seven ninety nine per month. You can pledge your support to the podcast, and with that subscription, you will get the podcast a day early. You get it Fridays, folks. Maybe even earlier some weeks if the I the get opposite. to the edit. It's <laughs> the opposite of a curse,
1: really. Yeah, you get yes, you get the blessing of early pull to open, which is fabulous. You will know you will know all about the Curse of Fenric in this instance, or you would have done. You would have known all about it a day ago. Wouldn't that have made your day better? Anyway, so Absolutely. that's would be in a true, a true companion situation, but you can pay a little more and yes, that's right. We will actually make you a British aristocrat uh, with, with one of those outfits that, that sells uh, a Viscount uh, title for you. Uh, you, yeah. you can go around and call yourself a Viscount as far as we can. Uh, but you can call yourself a Viscount Bagger, which is, of course, our top rating for our favorite stories. And if you contribute to that level, you might even be here right now with us. That's this right. Yes, but you're not paying. Uh, so, yeah, uh, cough up and, and join us on the actual podcast itself, uh, and it'll be fun to talk to you there.
0: Not only that, you will be a second contestant on, oh, what's that we're doing now? Could it be the Humoji Challenge? Uh, You betcha.
1: I would say this is normally the least favorite point of my week, but in this week I watched The Curse of Fenric. so.
0: (laughs) whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, sorry. Let's not reveal your rating. Yeah, a little bit. But yes, you could be joining Chris right now in guessing a Doctor Who title once I describe to him emojis that represent it. And these are all fan submitted, so people will usually leave a review for the podcast in the Apple Podcast app. That is the absolute best place to give us a emoji challenge. You can go ahead and look at the Pull to Open Codex, which is our uh, listing of all the Doctor Who episodes. There are, in sequential order... And you can see which ones already have emoji titles. But honestly, even if it already has one, go ahead and submit a new one. We like new interpretations of the show. That's kind of what this podcast is. Mm -hmm. And you can leave us a homoji. That's really all you need to leave in that review, uh, apart from a star rating. And I'm seeing five stars in front of me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, But if you could go ahead and do that, then we will happily use it now as I'm using this humoji to torture Chris uh, into finding the words of the title that go with it and I honestly think this time Chris this is going to be um, not necessarily a pleasure but oh, I don't think it's going to be torture for you I really do I know I've made that prediction before and I've been wrong <laughs> uh, that's when I'm on my guard when you say that yeah so maybe I'm, I don't think I'm doing reverse psychology this time though so okay so here we go are you ready sir as I'll ever be all right one one emoji <laughs> okay and yeah. it'll be quick it's i i can't i feel like i can't say it but i'm going to it's a rose
1: <laughs> well it's clearly survival no uh the tv movie no rose rose it's Rose!
0: Oh. <laughs> so there we go. Oh. That was that I, I feel like I should say now, fooled you that wasn't really it. But that was really it. Yeah. That was the that was the emoji. We had to get that one out of the way. I mean that's what I feel like. You you just so gotta that's do, how it. To do
1: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you too can find the the easy gaps in, in our uh, list of emojis. Uh, you know. Uh, Rose, you know, follow that by the end of the world sure you can think of some emoji that would, uh, that would make that up, but yes.
0: No, I'm just going to say that. this emoji was just this once, comma, Rose.
1: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah,
1: it was. And it's kind of nice to know that this is just, what, three stories in the future from Curse of Fenric is, is Rose. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, wow.
0: Right. That's actually—I yeah, didn't—it didn't, no it didn't right. even occur to me. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, this one comes from Joe Rep, longtime friend of the pod. Thank you so much, Joe. We got a few more from him, and I'll tell you this, Chris—they do not get easier. Okay,
1: <laughs> um, I, think, I think I'm fine with that. I'm ready. I'm ready for more. But thank you, Joe, for an easy one to start with in this uh, not very easy week.
0: Alright, moving on. Folks, we don't just talk about Doctor Who episodes. We come back and talk about them again. We don't leave people hanging. We don't leave loose threads because once we rate a show, we want to hear what you think of it. And we want to compare notes. And this is a little thing we like to call pull to open. So this
1: It's all part of the pull to open master plan uh, Mm. that uh, will not be hampered by cancellation. Uh, but we do have uh, your decision on Death the Daleks, and it is a decision of cancellation. You've decided to cancel Death the Daleks <laughs> in the polls
0: overwhelmingly. Uh, I'll say
1: overwhelmingly. Yes, uh, I rated this story in Ogron, so lowest ratings, irredeemably bad. Uh, you gave it a Professor Hater because you thought at least they they tried something. And the results are in, and 71.4% of respondents agree with me that this is a full-on, irredeemable, lumbering,
0: hairy old ogron. Yeah, it's tragic, but that's Okay. okay. I can deal with that. Maybe I was a little too generous for those Daleks with machine guns and the ancient city, and just, you know, Liz Sladen, I think, levels up stuff, even in her first season. So I get it. I was a hater, but the haters are definitely in the minority or hovering around 15%, just like the fixed point in time crew, mm. which is roughly the same. Um, interesting choice on fixed point in time. I wonder what the rationale is there.
1: I think it wasn't, wasn't this uh, wasn't uh, Death of the Daleks, one of the earliest VHSs, or am I thinking of another? But we Dalek story. I think. I think this might have been. I think you might be right. One of the ones that you could just see early in, mm. in your Doctor Who fandom, so you could see a lot. So of it.
0: it can be a little more nostalgia. Yeah, a little nostalgia yeah, for it. I get it. Yeah, nostalgia raisings. Uh, but yeah,
1: overwhelming victory for the Ogron. But the poll is still open. You can go back to our Death of the Daleks podcast and vote on that. You can vote right now if you're on Spotify. Without even stopping listening to us, pull from the bottom of the screen. You'll get a poll on The Curse of Fenric. And my goodness, I'm really, really interested, dear listener, in what you're going to rate this one. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. So we'll, we'll get into that. But let's also get into your opinion. Please vote. Uh, create a Spotify burner account and vote again. Hell, we don't care. We're, we're not about election integrity here at Pull to Open um just uh you know uh, vote at the strength of your feelings that's that's what i'll say
0: not exactly setting a good democratic precedent for 2024 (laughs) i'll say but
1: no no. that's neither
0: here nor there um (laughs) and you know what i'm tempted to stall but let's do it let's go man we're going into it right now
1: we're not going to stall like Stallman. we're going to get into how we start every commentary Uh, which is unlike every other Doctor Who podcast that does a commentary on a story. They will just sort of go through it methodically, scene by scene, line by line, episode by episode. No, we don't do all of that. We summarize the entire story for you uh, at a rate of 30 seconds per classic episode, one minute per New Who episode. This is classic. This is the second to last classic story. Uh, it is four episodes and that means that the sucker who's ever do, who's doing this week's TLDW, uh, will have a whole two minutes and, Oh, that's you, Pete. <laughs> uh, no, I, I gotta, say, I, I'm not gonna like sincere thank you, uh, for, for <laughs> to, to, to the random guard for, for choosing you on this one, because I was really struggling with even understanding the story. Um, and we'll we'll get to that later. Like I really want to talk about this notion of like when when you get lost in a Doctor Who story and not in a good way, um, which I think does happen to us sometimes, even us fans. So for that reason, I'm kind of excited to lean back for the next two minutes and listen to Pete explain what the hell it was we just saw in the Curse <coughs> of Fenric
0: in two minutes. How how you feeling about that, sir? Well, I'm I'm glad one of us is looking for. to it. Um, I'm feeling freaking terrified, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the thought of this TLDW scares me way more than anything in the episode did uh, because, yes, there is a lot in this mm. and just as like you can have a lot of ingredients in a delicious cake and you can also have a lot of ingredients in a big pile of gunk that you just stuff in a baking sheet in your oven... You could have a lot in both of those things, yeah. But the result is a little different, uh, perhaps quite a bit different for either. Right. So, all
1: right. We'll set your oven to five thousand degrees. Uh, Get get your pile of gunk ready, and uh, let's see what happens with a baking time of two minutes. The official pull to open summary of the Curse of Fenric in two
0: minutes. Starting now. Okay, so the Doctor and Ace materialize at this uh, Navy base in Northumbria and right in World War II, there's all these Russians that are coming there, but what's happened is that there is this ancient creature beneath the sea that has been sort of contaminating this place and it's starting to wake up. And uh, there's also a curse that is attached to the place because it's from, from Viking lore. And so basically there's this being called Fenric who is like this pure evil thing that the doctor has encountered before and is done these sort of games with uh, the, uh, that and is eventually imprisoned it there, but it's busting out. And it's also manipulated time such that there is an ancient creature that's actually from the future when the earth is completely covered in slime and dying and it's there. And he was basically has been manipulating all these people from the soldiers there, and the, the the British commander who's sort of thinks he's uh, helping with the war, but he's really gone insane. And the sort of Alan Turing type who's developing this machine, and Ace herself, and uh, the local villagers who are sort of turned into these vampires. And he's he's basically manipulated all of them like chess pieces to force the doctor uh, to come here and then finally conquer him in the chess game and kill him. Um, but he doesn't count on the doctor convincing the creature from the future to not destroy its own future by destroying the earth now. So that thing kills Fendrick um, and prevents them from I contaminating sense. the world with uh, all the uh, the chemical weapons that have been sort of created here. Um, and eventually Ace sort of, she also encounters her mom uh with and and uh, as a baby and sort of deals with her own issues there and uh conquers fears uh, even though her faith in the doctor is shaken and she just uh matures and no longer uh is uh, is afraid of water and uh all all the soldiers teamed up sort <laughs> uh, of toward at the end nice. to to stop everything.
1: Okay. Yeah. I I like that. I mean, <laughs> First of all, it was in part clearer than the story because you got to Fenric kind of straight away. I I kind of like that.
0: What uh, what I realized there was zero hope, and this is actually a, a general lesson of of pull to open TLDWs, but also this one very specifically. There was z- there would be zero hope of me getting through that even in ten minutes if yeah. I tried to tell the story sequentially. There there <laughs> yes. was just no way. There's so many weird things happen. So many random things happen. So many random characters just pop out and do things like, and, and stuff, some stuff seems relevant, but isn't. And some stuff you blink and you miss it. And it was the most relevant thing they could have done. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was just, yeah. it's, it's a random jumble of things that, but the, to your point, I, I see why you never got through or past episode one. Cause you're just like, what the hell is going on here?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it really, I mean, you open with, you know, and this is one of those rare TLDWs where we didn't open with what it actually opens with, uh, which is the Russians yeah. in boats coming to a beach, but why? And they've got very bad kind of subtitles in front of them. And uh, first, <laughs> yes, first uh, subtitles since 70s Doctor Who and the, the last as of now, I but
0: I believe I don't think there are even subtitles anywhere in the new series, right? Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Um but the yeah, it's not first since The Mind of Evil. So, okay. and one quick thing about the subtitles, they look horrible. There's the, I don't yeah. know what they were thinking with that sort of computer font. I mean, I I guess I know what they were thinking that they couldn't really change it. That is obviously this was done sort of last minute and whatever systems they have were too primitive. So that's obviously what happened. To, to their credit they clean that up in the special edition so you might not know that there there is a special edition of this that essentially turns it into an omnibus which is to say that the cliffhangers are all taken out which i don't think is an entirely great choice hmm. but the they do sort of update it the look is better so i i feel like i do you mind if i get something off my chest right off the please, bat here please go
1: for it. okay
0: me. so again we're, we're going to be slamming this episode a bit I, i'm I want to get my main slam out of the way. And it's not just a slam of the curse of Fenric. <clears throat> it's a slam of this era of Doctor Who. Yes. And I, I take no pleasure in this. Okay. I really don't. Cause I, I'm a child of the eighties. I'm, you know, I, I like eighties culture. I, I just saw back to the future, the musical. Okay. Like I love the eighties. Oh, I grew good. up in the eighties. It's there's amazing, good stuff in the eighties. This is not an example of good eighties entertainment. And a big part of the reason is what was going on with Doctor Who at the time, which was the budget was slashed, and for, for all of the McCoy era, they they were running on fumes. And, but it really looks like like here they're they're really out of gas. Like yeah. uh, it's not just that it's the budget slashed, and Doctor Who was never like a big budget production. But it really does look like they're filming this in people's backyards, and they really are paying people nothing, and and it's not. It, and, and again, it's not like Doctor Who is known for its good effects and good production values, but here it it just feels like it's amateur. Like yeah. th- the cast is capable. Like, don't get me wrong. Everyone loves Sophie Aldred, the Svester McCoy. They're capable. They're ready. They're there to show up for it. But the direction, sloppy, like shots and stuff just don't, like why? why? You're just constantly why, why, why? The editing is clumsy. The sound, it's it's echoey. Like Again, I take no pleasure in saying this, but the show on a technical level, it really just feels like it's being done by people who don't know what they're doing. They're they're just not good at their jobs, and I'm not going to name any names, and and I'm sure they all have good reasons for why. And yes, Doctor Who's never had enough time to make the show uh, that they really want to make, but here, you, 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 it's really no exaggeration to say that The Curse of Fenric and several other episodes in this sort of this orbit of McCoy, they just look like they're fan made. They look like they're fan made videos. They,
1: yeah, they, they do. And it's not like, you know, if if you're thinking we're going to have a, a merry old chat about The Curse of Fenric as sort of being laughably, nicely bad, you know, so bad it's good. It's not that it, it is. It's like it's dreary and it looks dreary and it's like you know shot on videotape outside with like there's a point where there's supposed to be apocalyptic rain and it's like just you know they've dribbled in water from a garden hose this really looks like a show that wants to die uh and Mm. to your point about the audio it sounds like a show that doesn't want to be heard um and in fact you know uh, you you may remember you know we, we been talking about the, the Brit Box boycott that I'm on, where I, I don't want to pay Britbox money. I think we can kind of retire the BritBox Box boycott now because it's on it's on Tubi. Most most of Classic Who is on Tubi. You have to mm-hmm. endure uh, uh, commercials. I gotta say the commercials were actually a welcome break for me when I was watching this. <laughs> I never said that before. I hate commercials. Um, but the reason that I did that, the reason I went to Tubi and and you know relented and watched Doctor Who the commercials, something I'd normally never do is that there, there is a version on the Internet Archive. You can actually download a version on the Internet Archive, but it doesn't have subtitles. And I could mm. not follow. That, that's one of the reasons why I watched episode one yet again, was that I tried it without subtitles. I could not make out a single damn word anywhere. Yeah, I didn't get it. And the more research I've done on the background of this, it, it, it sort of seems like, yes, you know, the the... We all know that Michael Grade was down on Doctor Who, you know, the the, the stuffy upper class uh, custodians of the BBC were down on Doctor Who. They hated it. Um, but it also seems like the production team has kind of internalized that. that yeah, agreed. of it, Like they don't seem to know what they're doing. JNT has tried to quit the series several times at this point. Right. Um, they keep pulling they, him back in. They keep pulling him back in. And keep, he keeps making the worst decisions, like like changing the order of this so that something that's supposed to be, I think, a, a preview of Ghostlight,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you
1: know, with Ace in the old house that she talks about in, in her town, Perryville, uh, it, is completely messed up. Yeah. Like, it just, you know, the, the unveiling of the Doctor's new costume is messed up. Um. You know, such a chronicle of haplessness. The fact that that JNT sort of tried to organize a press screening of this to say, look, hey, you know, Doctor Who's getting better. And then it ends up being the first and I believe the only Doctor Who story in in the history of the program to where the audience figures were so low, it actually dropped out of the charts. So we don't even know what the audience ratings were. (laughs) Um, Was it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just and and mistakes all over the shop, and you know, and you know, Andrew Cartmel, the script editor at the time, who was kind of behind a lot of this. and Briggs was the writer, and they they worked together very closely. Like, he's you know he's written a lot of sort of self justifying stuff, and there's this myth that's grown up around the the Cartmel master plan, and the the Doctor was supposed to be getting evil and more Machiavellian. And, and right, first of all, why would you take that direction since we'd already we've already
0: done that with with Colin Baker. We've already tried an evil doctor. Well, no, I, 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 yeah. Okay. Go on. Finish your point. No, I'll probably, I'll I'll do the rebuttal.
1: (laughs) But like, it just, that, that sort of seems to be covering up just like a very bad uh, series of decisions in the, like, we're supposed to be excited that, that Fenric finally, but the fight by the time Fenric gets into it, like we've had three episodes of this and we just don't, I, I, I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm Mm. so totally lost. That I don't give a damn about this this old enemy of the doctors who's someone I, I don't even know about and, and I just Right, right. Yeah. So, so listen to so, Yeah, I, bad, I hate it, but but I hate it.
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I might surprise you a bit after my sort of rant about the production values, because I I it's more like it's not so much a rant as like uh I'm rending my garment. I'm I'm so outraged uh and and sad that it's come to this for the production, but the story I will push back on a little bit. And I will even push back a little bit on the, um, uh, only a little bit on the, on the, uh, Cartmel stuff, because yes, it's true. He didn't really have a master plan to my knowledge. And it was really just more a series of, you know, uh, choices. But I gotta say, I think those choices work and they have amounted to surprisingly, um, some McCoy, one of the, better defined doctors as a character right just because he was given so many of these scripts where he is a bit of a master manipulator and it's apparently the second meeting of some of some ancient thing he's set in motion you know eons ago and so and he's he's sort of playing that role of the other the player on the other side the the white chess master where the the other person the black chess master this is obviously the most literal rendition of that but it's you see it again and again in battlefield in uh well actually battlefield i like because they kind of flip that because it's it's his first meeting and it's it's the future him that has sort of gotten him into trouble there so that that's funny uh on that level but i i do think even though there was no real through line to all this the idea of like oh yeah let's Let's have Sylvester be a little more removed, a little more of that manipulator, Mac- Machiavellian thing. Let's just write the scripts that way. That kind of works. Um, at least it works the first couple of times. I think it works decently here. And uh, again, the show, this is a really ambitious script with all the things in it. So just to sort of start, like uh, one, I have to give it a points for setting it in World War II, which is rarer than you think in Doctor Who. Yes, yeah, the first time, right? Is this is it actually the first time they actually said it in World War Two? Yeah, it might
1: yeah, be. I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but course, you don't you really always go to empty child doctor dances when we think of
0: Doctor Who in World War II, And of course, this precedes that. Well, and uh, there's actually like a couple of novels. Not to get too off topic, but McCoy comes back with. There's a Cyberman adventure. Uh, I forget. Oh, it's called Illegal Alien. That's what it is. And then there's another one called Just War. Um, which is pretty kind of epic. Um, so like there, there was definitely a lot of sort of coming back around for the McCoy doctor in this, uh, this world war era. But I do, I do think that the setting works. I think it's a little too, like, again, production values don't really match. It's really sunny. It seems like this is also very connected. Like there's, there's a village here and yes, there's a point where they wreck the, the radios, but you also think like, well, surely like, you could just ride to the next town or something like, I mean, what's like, what's the problem? Like, it just seems like it's not, they were trying to create this sense of isolation and you, nothing in the direction and the, the set, you know, just the set and everything emphasizes that you just feel like anyone could just go to the corner store or go downtown and you'd be fine.
1: There's so much that is not explained about the, about the setting. And I was not surprised to learn that the setting was a last minute choice. Uh, It was originally supposed to be set in Coventry, uh, which which really got uh, hit by the Luftwaffe in World War mm, Two, right? Been, uh, destroyed. So, um, and then no, that there was this attempt to sort of make a uh, reference to Dracula, which right. is uh, set largely in the town of Whitby. It makes yeah. sense. Vampires and stuff. Yeah, vampires and stuff. Which, of course, they weren't allowed to use vampires, uh, so they invent the word hemovores because J and T thought, "Oh no, everyone's going to be like thinking of state of decay." Uh, <laughs> yes, are they? really? Are they though? <laughs> are they though? <laughs> like, you know, and you just call them hemovores, which means blood eaters. Okay, so
0: now you're just confusing people who are like, "Wait a minute, are they vampires or what?" But it's it's also like they it's not like the word vampires is not in the script. They actually yeah. say the word several times. So yeah. I guess they kind of it's I guess it's the Doctor Who version of that word, which is kind of okay. I kind of get what JNT's saying. Um I definitely don't think anyone would care what happened in nineteen eighty, whenever State Decay was, which was yeah, would exactly. have been yeah, eight or nine years was, previous to this
1: it was nine years previously like it's it, okay you know and of course we're talking about creatures from the dawn of time so why not continue that whole thing that the vampires and the time lords were ancient enemies from the dawn of time like that that would have made this make a lot more sense and at least provided some continuity and you definitely get the sense of with T here that he's sort of fiddling while rome burns like he's he's handing down these tiny diktats that, that just are ignoring and obscuring this this vast overall problem of just how terrible everything looks and you know that the poor directorial choices and all of it and yeah the poor choices uh, but but I want to say like you know while, while we're on the location so mm-hmm. regular pull to open listeners now i'm I'm from the northeast of England and we've done two stories previously that were set in the northeast of England one being uh the the Rani. The thing, not Time and the Ronnie. why am I not remembering the original Rani? Oh, uh, Mark of the Ronnie. Mark of the Rani, not Curse of the Ronnie. Mark of the Rani. Um, which weirdly does not create, uh, contain a character named Mark. But anyway, it's, uh, yeah, so, so that's <laughs> one Northeast story, you know, features George Stevenson has a reason to be set in the Northeast. Then we had uh, the Time Meddler. Uh, and I w- actually went to the uh, the the abbey that we discovered with the f- help of our friends. Right, the Cloister Bell podcast, a northeastern based mm-hmm. podcast, uh, was the the only abbey that it could possibly be in the Time Meddler. You know, which makes sense because that's where the Vikings invaded in in 1066. Like this, you know, there's a historical reason for it to be here. What the hell is the reason for setting Curse of Fenric in the northeast? It there is none. It's, it's just that it's not Coventry. It's sort of a flicking at the setting of Whitby in, in Dracula, but not really. You've got, I think, one person, one or two people with vaguely local accents, except they're Yorkshire. You know, like the <laughs> nurse. Uh, and uh, oh, right, you know, yeah. Yeah. There's there's just no reason for it, you know, and you you invent Maiden's Point. You don't even film it up there. They filmed it on the south coast of England, which is another, you know, poke in the eye for, for people in the northeast who almost never get the BBC to come up and, you know, do location shoots in their area. So yeah, I'm I'm sort of got my face set against this for a number of reasons, and that's
0: Well a also point. I feel like they're inconsistent even within their story, because it's yeah. like if it's the northeast of England, do people really do a lot of swimming there? And <laughs> if they, surprised. <laughs> well, but even if they do, like you have, like, it looks just really cold. And some yeah. of the characters even remark how cold it is. And even if the doctor in that coat early on, and then suddenly people are going swimming, like it's, you know, mid July and you're like, well, wait a second. Is it mid July? Cause it feels like it's more like Halloween. And <laughs> would it be really, would people be really diving into the ocean in Northumbria <laughs> At that time of year, uh,
1: I mean, yes, but you you would you would know what to what to expect. And Ace, you know, so Ace has the scene with. Did we even mention the evacuees? That the oh yeah, and Phyllis
0: and Jean, yeah. I think they are.
1: Yeah, the two are girls. Just, yeah, not really the best drawn characters. um they're, Yeah, they, sort of the whole reason the original script. Speaking of things that JNT cut. Uh, is to sort of say that they're not maidens. Like, you know, ha, ha. Mm, we're, we're I get not. it. We've, we've, <laughs> yeah. And then Ace says, me neither. And the the idea of this, did you know this from, from Ian Briggs' original script? Because, you know, we don't have to give him credit for creating the character of Ace. Uh, the, the original character was supposed to be called Alf, and he, he basically <laughs> made it Ace. He he was looking for something based on the Love and Rockets comic. He wanted like a London version of the sort of you know uh, DMS and you know uh, a powerful female characters. So I credited him for that. But it was his idea that Ace's virginity had been taken by Glitz.
0: Right, I read something about this. Yeah, which is okay. I,
1: mean, I just uh, gross. No, I just recoil at that
0: well especially because like, she was a teenager
1: yes exactly
0: right she's like 16 in dragon fire i think which it's is right. yeah well i mean luckily that isn't necessarily on screen Now, all that said we shouldn't be full-on prudes here and say like okay like ace being not a virgin is somehow yeah. over the line i mean you know she's a teenager teenagers yeah. can be sexually active I'm not saying you know Absolutely. trying to make a moral judgment either way on that but it's a reality and I think it's okay to in, have that sort of be part of her, you know, quote unquote journey here. Like particular, I didn't mind the bit in, I, I forget if it's episode three or four where she tells the doctor, I'm not a little girl. And yeah. she's going to woo the guy essentially. And she ostensibly does what I don't like again. And there's a bunch of this and you alluded to this, I think a bit with the uh, maidens or the evacuees. Everyone's weird. Why is yeah. everyone acting so weird in, you know, I walked just with grace and that scene in particular, where she kind of woos the guard away by being not sexy. I will say yeah. <laughs> like she, she's it's just really, really strange. And she turned to me, grace is like, okay, like uh, being strange is going to lure him away. Like, wh- what is that about? Like, cause she, cause she got it, you know, even though she's 10, she understands, okay, like she's, she's trying to uh, tantalize him. Yeah, but we, then we all she- know
1: what a seduction looks like, and that's not yeah. it. And I got to say, look, I, I love Sophie Aldred as as a person, uh, and, but I I got to take issue with the notion that that she is actually a good actor at this stage. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't buy it throughout. And maybe this has always been my problem with Ace; like she never really felt real to me. I'm sorry, Ace fans. I'm sorry. I think I think she's a wonderful idea. I love her beating Daleks to death with a baseball bat. You know, I kind of like the professor thing, even though it gets a bit annoying. But, you know, it's it's Doctor trying something new. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Ace is a bit of a
0: professor hater of a character for me. You know, at least... Yeah, I see what to- you mean. I I had similar thoughts about Tegan, too. Like, Janet Fielding seemed pretty new at it, at least early on. I I kind of get it, though, particularly for these younger characters who... Like, I'm not sort of saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I think it works uh, a little better because younger people are naturally a little more histrionic and awkward and say things either in the wrong way or at the wrong times. Now here, I think it's, you know, certainly partly the director and the director, not helping her be new at this. Hmm. So I actually had to rewind a couple of bits because (laughs) I didn't understand the meaning of what she was saying. Like I understood the words, but what was she trying to get across? One of them was when, the doctor talks about um, he's he they're, they're walking and ACE is behind them. And he says like, Oh, no one tell Judson the logic, solve, solve the logic problem or whatever. And Grace is like, Oh, you should have told me, but it doesn't come across that way. Like that's the timing of it is strange. You're not sure what ACE means by that. Mm. And I was like, Oh, and then we, we watched it again and we're like, Oh, I get it. She's, she's concerned about, him getting this information that he didn't, he shouldn't get, but it, it, it should be more obvious than that. Right? Like, I mean, it's, just like, there's a, there's, there, there are ways to shoot things so that you can get that point across and they just didn't do it. And that happens time and time again. Another example, because we were talking about wooing people, mm-hmm. the point where the girls who are now turned into vampires slash hemivores are in the water and they're luring that Russian soldier. And they're doing that thing with the claws, like the like, with the
1: claws, and uh, which, the, which a friend of mine loves horror movies recognizes the thing that they do in Plan 9 from outer space, which is really not a movie you want to
0: emulate. So take it it's one of those sort of B-movie things where
1: yeah. it the, the fingers are doing best. the acting. It renowned
0: as the worst movie of all time. You know, mm. there's that movie Ed Wood that's basically about the filming of it. Oh wow. Well, anyway, yeah. when when they're when they're luring the guy not only are they weird and they have this really unnecessary dialogue where they're like, come in the water, come in the water, whatever. And it's like, we get it. We know what you're doing. You actually don't need them, any dialogue there. Mm -hmm. Um, And he kind of like, he literally goes in the water like a zombie. Like the way he's moving, like it's very clumsy and you almost think he's he's exaggerating his movements because is he trying to get across that he's being literally controlled? And Mm -hmm. if he's being controlled, why do you need to tempt him at all? But if he's not being controlled, like he's not behaving like a guy who is being tempted, right? He's not like playing it that way. Is it? It's like it's some extra that they just said, act this way, and he clumsily just sort of goes in the water like he's a doofus. Yeah, and then they yeah. jump on him. I, it's just like, what? What are you doing here? What are you making again? I think I'm sort of circling back to my original point of the the production values here, but. It, it really affects the story in places and it really didn't have to. And you're just wincing. You're just like, Oh, really? Did, did you, yeah, I know what I you're did. doing here. I wish, I wish you'd hired me to like do something, <laughs> even though I know nothing about television production, I could have helped you.
1: And to be fair, you know, Ian Briggs did clear a lot of things up with, with the novelization. Um, yep. You know, which, which is I, definitely better. Right I don't think it's brilliant, but it's, better Mm -hmm. and and one of the things that does clear up so yes the curse of Fenric is sort of doctor who's first faltering attempt to deal with sexuality in a lot of ways and and one of those things is is uh one of those attempts to deal with sexuality has to do with dr judson who is based on alan turing Uh, and in other circumstances i might want to do a whole history corner on alan turing uh but i think (laughs) it's a master the mark of the curse of Fenric that i've Absolutely no desire to do that, but that is so. That is the undercurrent, and maybe why Doctor Judson's so mad all the time, is that he and Commander Millington actually had had a thing, had an affair right. in school. There was this whole thing where, with a rugby match, and one of them got jealous that the other one was looking at another boy, and you know that that's why Judson ended up getting uh, uh, you know becoming disabled. So. But it's like, we look back at that now, that does not age well. I I see what they were trying to do. But this is a trope that, you know, the idea that uh, a character is gay or closeted in some way, and therefore you, you give him another affliction. Mm, uh, in this case, right. you know, it being in a wheelchair like that, we look at that today and wince. Like, oh, oh, he was supposed to be gay, so you stick him in a wheelchair, and that's supposed to, you know, give us a hint that that he's closeted in some way. Like, just no, no. What
0: what are you even doing? Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so no, the yeah. And it's it's oh. if any nothing really survives of that clot yeah. l- line, right? Like, so it's really just a couple of guys, and they're just acting weird and angry and uh, again nothing's really made of it so yeah to your point if it if this is doctor who's attempt at sexuality like i'll take the aztecs over it any day you know <laughs> and the doctor mm-hmm. and kameka's non non-relationship uh over it yep. uh, all every every day of the week twice on sunday but sure. the uh, you brought up millington and i gotta say like i do think the book improves his character because he, they basically say he's insane from the get go in the book yeah. and here you kind of have to figure it out. But I also, f- also feel like he's, he's very forgettable of all the people in this, like even Judson, even before he becomes Fenric is kind of like, you know, you're kind of interested in what he's doing and how he's trying to sort of advance this. Um I'm a little interested in the Russian folks, but like the guy who's ostensibly in charge of the base and wants to use these chemical weapons like you know the brigadier he ain't you know what i mean like he's not mm-hmm. really in it much and and he should be given that he's
1: got a whole office full of nazi memorabilia and he's yeah. set, which again just like why like i feel like you know this this is familiar f- to us from from the problem with the magician's apprentice too many ideas stuffed in well yeah uh, the Curse of Fenric definitely shows that the old series could do that as well. Um, and, and this is one of them. Like, he's just... He's clearly kind of a bit of a Nazi sympathizer. Like, you know, his, his interest in the Nazis is more than just academic because he's, like, really anti-communist, really anti-Soviet.
0: Well, I don't know if he's a sympathizer as much as he's just kind of nuts and obsessive. And I, I kind of like that idea in a less complicated episode because I do I did like that the doctor goes he's not a nazi he's just trying to get inside the minds of them uh, and doing it in this really literal way and how but does that
1: help exactly?
0: well <laughs> exactly are they like help? i think i think it's one too many ideas stacked in and beca- the fact that they throw it in episode 1 and it's so dramatic i mean it just mm. really confuses you like there there should have been more in early on to reassure viewers that it's all going to sort of come. It's all going to make sense by the end, which it doesn't. I'll I'll say that yeah. it all doesn't make sense by the end, but lots of it does. I, I, I think I need to sort of start praising the episode a bit because I do think it does come around in episode four, like episode four is by far the best of all it of is. it. So, it is. The, and, and I will say the cliffhanger to episode three is very good with Judson standing up the yellow eyes and he says, "At last, we play the final game, Time Lord, or some some line like that." And yeah. when he says "Time Lord," you kind of like, "Oh, wow! Like this is these are bigger stakes than I even thought." And I just said
1: out loud at that point, "At last, something is happening."
0: <laughs> and so, so then, episode four. There's there's a lot of sort of fighting again. The action uh, we can talk about the action, but you know the the ancient one. Is there now and there's a very clear kind of like, okay, everything's everything's coming together and people sort of get to do stuff. And uh, particularly McCoy, he finally gets to, you know, do his thing with the the ancient one and sort of entirely just explain stuff like where things are from how this was all set in motion and i think for the most part it makes some sense right and that's kind of all my tldw was was explaining (laughs) what what happened here oh okay i get it this thing from earth's future and that i liked because it had a bit of a talons of wang chiang feel to it like this Mm -hmm. ain't this dystopian future that something's come back from and is now going to wreak havoc on the present that's kind of neat You know, it's like, okay, I like that. And the fact that it also ties up at simultaneously ties up loose ends seemingly uh, from other episodes that we weren't necessarily looking for explanations of, but it's more satisfying to go like, oh, right. Dragonfire was you know that was that was Fenric and right. the, the, the yeah, like Fenric all this casual time travel they were doing in the mccoy era oh it was Fenric manipulating things great it's not that you could actually create just a time vortex in your in your bedroom by mm-hmm. mixing stuff together for your chemistry class or whatever case did right so yeah, Fenric okay. made a jigsaw so the doctor's history to too yeah there you I mean. go um but, it than but it's dead. not
1: even really said like we're, ju- we're just half supposed to piece that together and yeah and it's like how are you supposed to remember it like if if we th- that episode three cliffhanger uh i i did like it i would have liked it a lot more if there'd been more misdirect to think that that millington was going to be fenwick or, or that anyone was going to be like, we, we should have been expecting the big bad to rise up in that moment. And, and I wasn't at least
0: mm.
1: like, you know, but at least there was that little bit of like, I think Ace says it's him about Millington I'm like oh yeah Millington's the big bad guy I get that that explains it that's why he's been he's got the Nazi regalia and stuff like that oh this makes sense and and then oh no misdirect it's actually Judson and he rises up over the doctor's shoulder one of the few actually good shots that the director got yeah. <laughs> um, and then yes the eye is creepery, creepy
0: and I did like uh, Dr. Judson Disney Landon yeah. as the actor speaking uh, of it, like it's worked. one of the only effects that works is those eyes yeah. speaking yeah. of you know we're just sliming the effect that actually you know good job on the on the genuinely, contact lenses or whatever they did
1: genuinely creepy but then we sort of take the uh, take the sting out of that in episode 4 by like Fenric
0: changes bodies and then and then he's Captain Soren now well and then and the, uh, the, the thing, one of the things we we haven't mentioned about the behind the scenes here is this thing was hacked to pieces in the edit because when they came out with it, they said, they we, th- we really have five episodes. Like, this is a five-episode adventure. And uh, again, JT, wisely or not, forced them to slash it down to four, and they did. But that is one of the things that I think, a, a few transitions like that, but that in particular, where it, basically Fenric goes from Judson to Soren, um, is, is never really shown, or you, you really have to sort of, Piece it together yourself. Now it's not; it's kind of obvious once, they flip, but you kind of like, oh, we can do that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's too much yeah. information happens at once because oh, of that, yes.
1: exactly. And at the same time, your brain is also trying to deal with this chess puzzle that's not a chess puzzle.
0: Oh yes, okay. Let's talk about that.
1: Yes, the chess thing. The solution to the chess puzzle. Spoiler alert! Although I don't think, can't think why what this would spoil for anyone is that. <laughs> that that the black and white pawns are supposed to team up. And I'll tell
0: you what that spoils, Chris. It spoils chess.
1: It spoils chess. <laughs> That's you, not how the game is chess. played. That's how bad Curse of Fenric is.
0: Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It's. It, I. I bet they thought they were super clever with this. And... It's, it's so clever. It's bad. <laughs> it just, it just, it makes no sense. It's nonsense. Like one. Okay. If you're literally talking about chess, it's obviously an illegal move because, you know, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like you, the friendly fire is not allowed. You, you simply cannot take your own pieces. So how does that even work? Um, there's no third player, like it's not, it's not a legal chess move. So if they're literally playing chess, that doesn't work if they're not. And obviously they're not. And there's, this is some metaphor for something. And there's, there's another game to play that is above the chess fair enough, but then you're not playing chess. And yeah. th- I would and say the
1: only it with something in, in the script about, you know, the white and black teaming up like some is it, is it, is it supposed to reference something about the British and Russian soldiers?
0: Like, oh, yeah, well, that's obviously sort of the metaphor there that they team up. And again, like, I don't uh, uh, interesting idea. And I like I kind of like the idea of that happening. Um, but you you the very few of these guys have been fleshed out. Certainly no one on the British side. We've really seen, uh, and then the, with the Russian guys, they're they all kind of seem like the same guy to me. To be honest with you, you know, they like do. no yeah,
1: one. My sorin has his white scarf, not just so he can give it with Ace in a very unbelievable sudden romance. Perhaps the most unbelievable sudden romance since Lila and Andred.
0: And it really, um, it's really kind of a blink, and you miss it. You know, like I, I didn't really even get it, you know, until I sort of read about it in the book. And I'm like, oh, OK, OK. Maybe now some of that makes a little more sense. But I mean, again, I think everyone's just acting weird and no one's being that romantic at all. Like mm-hmm. it's it's very weird. But anyway, back to the chess move. So I want to sort of contrast this where an episode where I think it works, which is Nightmare and Silver. Now, we'll get there when we get there. But one thing I think that does work there is that the doctor is playing against himself and he's losing the chess game and he keeps telling like the, his cyber self, like I'm going to win in three moves. And he's like, no, you're, you're, you've just lost your queen. There's absolutely no way I've checked. And he's like, well, the three, and he does the three moves are, I'm going to use my sonic screwdriver and zap you and bl- and throw the chessboard away or something. Like, I forget what the exact three moves are, but it's like, oh, right. You're not just playing chess. You, you, you're playing against a cybernetic version of yourself. And that's the real game, huh. you know, like, and, that was okay. Here it's like there's there's the, the the connection of the meta game to the real game is much less clear. You know, like what like, that, like why are they even playing chess, you know? Like they have to get chess sets and he he sets up the board again and like what what is this proving? Like why 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 does Fendrick have to stop and play chess? I don't get it.
1: Yeah. It, it yeah, it's supposed to be some, you know, a, a... A resumption of a game that we never saw, right? Which you you might want to flag that earlier on. Or maybe the doctor could talk about it. Yeah, um, and
0: say say something like that. Like, I bet him that I could hmm. beat him at chess, and then you know the winner would do X or Y, which is fine to say, but it's also like, well, how is that like enforceable? Like, yeah. what's what's like if why wouldn't why why is he acquiescing to this game? And if he if he doesn't want to lose. Why? Why is it binding? Like, what's binding it? You know,
1: yeah. So, so many questions. And and why? Why does is it Millington who wants all the chessboards confiscated? I was I was losing the plot
0: at this point. Which is yes, that's right. He, and he gets the, he wants them destroyed, not just okay. confiscated. I think he said destroyed. Um, I could be wrong, but it's it's a bit like he must be somehow in. I forget why he does that too, because either he's getting orders from Fenric or he's interpreting one of the many inscriptions or ancient texts or ancient artifacts that's telling him to do that. Um, Again, just too much stuff happening. Again, I I, I could be wrong. Maybe this is explained somewhere. Please fans, let us know. But it doesn't take away from the criticism of like, this is just like so much incomprehensible BS happening at any moment in this venture that it's like, okay, I guess.
1: I want to say to the, to the McCoy fans out there who are feeling hard done by in this podcast so far, uh, please, please come on the show uh, and, and explain that, you know, give, give us a Viscount banger of a, of a uh, uh, follow and um, you know, our Viscount bank level of subscription and we'll have you on the show and we will just, we'll do a whole special on you explaining the curse of Fenric to us because I really want to know, like, I'm really open to seeing this as good. I want to see this as good. I do not like, it's a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that this, that I see this as bad. Like, you know, it's all connected to my rage critic and McCoy and McCoy feeling like an alien era to me. And, you know, it's, it being two stories away from, from the cancellation of the show. Like it, it just, you know, I, I want to feel better about it. So please write in, well, come on the show, whatever, like, please, please, <laughs> you know we're, we're not fixed in this
0: right well why don't we just to be <laughs> just to be nice to those people we were just talking yeah. to let's rapid fire the things we liked yeah um it okay. might be a short list so yeah. i'll go first i liked when phyllis and gene die and i don't mean <laughs> <laughs> i mean that on a few levels but i do like it's a mature death like Mm. too often i would say and i i criticized knock knock for this uh not that was quite a bit ago but like there's several episodes where they want to do everybody lives or sort of a variation of that and it just sort of mutes the story and i like that they with a lot of the supporting cast and they just killed them you know it's like people die in doctor who and if you have high stakes you have to show that and it's a very gruesome death they they sort of and when they kill all the other hemovores, which to me kind of it seems like a big tactical blunder, but whatever um they just fall and they sort of disintegrate uh and that again there there are not that many good special effects in this one, but that one was okay, so mature moment and uh well rendered yeah the uh
1: the the ancient one is it the the one with the 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 mask that they clearly spent most of the mask budget on
0: yes uh you like yeah. the mask?
1: Kind of like the mask. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. It, it looks like something from New Who, so I'm going to say that's a positive.
0: I will say I wish that guy could have moved. Yeah. <laughs> like none of the hemovores, they all look like they're really trying not to have their masks fall off. Mm-hmm. So they're just super slow moving. All they're doing is the hand thing. And no one seems to have the ability to just run away from these very slow-mo- slow-moving creatures. But yes, Hemivore mask, uh, the ancient one, mm-hmm. ten out of ten.
1: Okay. Uh, I also like the idea of uh, faith creating a psychic barrier. Faith in something. Yeah, me too. Me it's too. Made clear that it's not just faith in a religion um or maybe it is faith in a religion if you include communism as as a religion that's basically how
0: one of the one of the russian dudes survives right Uh, yeah and he has he did shows the hammer and sickle which is kind of neat so yes i did like that i also liked that it shows the monsters can be smart by shaking someone's faith, and they do that to Wainwright, the Reverend, mm. because he doesn't have it. They know he doesn't, but he sort of steals himself, finds something within himself, and is able to repel them, but only for like a minute. And then they they talk to him, and they they get him to shake his lose his faith again, and then they kill him. That was good. That like not only can does this this psychic field idea work, but it also provided an opportunity that the villains aren't total boobs. You know, you can actually um, figure out ways around it. Smart. So
1: speaking speaking of Wainwright, did you did you? Um, we'll, we'll get back to the list of what we like, but did you did you like Wainwright?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> he seems pretty True. extraneous, and again, there's all this weird, incomprehensible stuff with virtually every character. But when he's giving kind of a sermon or something to himself it looks like yeah at one point and,
1: and also he... they use it as a, as a cliffhanger like it's it's one corinthians it's you know now there are by faith hope and love these three but the greatest of these is <laughs> cut away and i'm like what what <laughs> the greatest of these is what <laughs> like why would you? <laughs> why would you pause at that point anyway maybe you would have liked wainwright better if he'd been played by a certain peter capaldi
0: uh, oh. or a
1: certain christopher eccleston both of whom were considered for the role.
0: Wow. I might have liked it better. That would be amazing. Wow. What a connection. I got to say, yeah, the guy they cast just seems like the least creepy guy, but I don't think that works for this production. It doesn't. And his name is Nicholas Parsons, and he
1: was known in the UK as a quiz show host. Mm. Uh, He was cast by the director, speaking of terrible directorial decisions, (laughs) after seeing him in pantomime. You know, uh, yeah. play, playing one of the, the like the widow Twanky or something in, in Batman, a very British thing, but he's like he sees that as like yep, there's my reverend, um and yep. Yeah, but everyone just knew Nicholas Parsons as like this middling quiz show host. He his his name was like the butt of of jokes for a lot of comedians in the eighties, British comedians a mm. new way of British comedians. So if Doctor Who is trying to convince you that it's like young and hip and happening and with it and exploring sexuality for the first time, then choosing Nicholas Parsons, for this role, is not, is not what you would do. And I, I think it, that turned off a lot of viewers. Maybe why it was so lowly rated by the audiences.
0: Wow, yeah. Well, I just thought he felt like somebody, you know, you, you would just have a coffee with and be chummy and he just had the wrong vibe mm. for this story. Um, did not was not sorry to see him go, uh, when they finally the hemivores finally like take him down, but mm. okay, back to the list. So he had a crisis of faith, which which was nice, yeah, yeah. He got his character got a chance to be have that moment. Um, so I like the overall A story here, even though it's not the moments are weird, especially the stuff with her mom and her kind of hating the baby, which I don't feel or the loving the baby but hating her mom which feels like a weird thing to focus on to me but i think again episode 4 redeems a lot of this with her faith in the doctor and him needing to shake that faith to win it's funny it's it's mirrored a lot in the god complex which i never yeah. thought about when i was had watched this episode before so um but it is it's it's a sort of a smart idea of playing on how companions regard the doctor and whether that's good or bad um, particularly from this, the sort of the faith standpoint, that all worked to me. And then when she, at the end, you know, dives in the water, and I uh, get it, the sort of the metaphor of the cleansing and struggling with her sort of feelings with her mom, I think that generally works. You, again, I think you could pick at the, the brushstrokes here, but I like the picture.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that, that picture where she dives into the water at the end and we sort of really... Want to feel that kind of cleansing, you know, yeah, that that would be a good scene if the director had included a single damn close up. <laughs> like, that's that's where the focus should be, right? In her face. She's going through a lot of tortured feelings about it. You know,
0: it. I'm sorry, Nick Mallet. <laughs> you know, we like, we're, even the stuff we like, we're bringing back around to you and yeah. sort of oh, smacking I you know. in the face on each of it. So, is he sorry?
1: About just, that. Yeah, I, I, I did, did. I will say, I, I I liked the timey-wimey aspect, even if it was so clear that the non-doctor who watching friend and i watched the swift was like oh is that is audrey you know is that baby actually ace's mother like mm. <laughs> when, when the baby gets introduced um and and my initial react because i didn't know at this stage my initial reaction was no that would be too interesting
0: <laughs> uh, well, like, that would
1: actually bring some sort of interesting timey to this so i will i will admit i was i was wrong it was that even even if it's so clearly telegraphed from a mile off that it's her that i thought like that no they're not going to do that if it's that clearly telegraphed
0: do you like that line yeah. where she asks about her boyfriend and then it's like no it's my husband yeah Remember that? did that you like weird.
1: that uh, it wasn't that
0: weird i've I like, I get, again, I like, I could pick at the scene, but I like what they're sort of trying to do and sort of contrast the morality of the 40s with modern day. Um, yeah. I think it's like, not, doesn't work as well or is as clear cut as what they do in Remembrance of the Daleks. Hmm. But here, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think it's a little extraneous, but it's, it's all I, I see it as is sort of a reminder of Ace being out of time and not really Having a native time of her own, but anyway, it might have been, might have been a little extraneous. I don't know, but I didn't mind it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could see it as as a first draft of the whole sort of uh, you know River Song, born in the TARDIS, kind of you know the the, the time in Yminus. Like you know, Doctor Who has yeah. explored this since much better, but uh, you know, I, I I like the idea in theory that it is actually her mother and and that she sets it in motion herself by telling uh the the unmarried mother to to get
0: to her her nan's address i guess Oh that's right yeah, yeah. which i guess happened all along
1: Yeah so <laughs> that that does make sense in terms of why they were brought there uh even though i had the question right from the beginning of why why were they walking into this naval base Like, they they seem to know that it's a naval base from the start.
0: They don't just blunder in there. All I have to think of is that, again, there's not enough here. Maybe there was more in the five-episode version, but the Doctor deliberately took them there Mm -hmm. um, to have this final chess move with Fenric. I think that's what, what the idea was. I don't know if he fully appreciated what was happening, but I think it was also like... Uh, the, the the other part of the timey wiminess I sort I like is that the ancient one has been there for a long time, and that's why mm-hmm. there's been various folks disappearing, and um, it's just kind of a cursed place. And it's now, millions of years, Doctor. Yeah, it's one of those. But again, I, I yes, <laughs> 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 but I thought I, I thought it was okay. Okay
1: one one more thing I like, um, although I I didn't realize that it was happening at the time that the Doctor chants the names of his old companions Yeah, to, to create a nice. barrier against the Hemovores. Now, it isn't clear what's happening at the time or why he has suddenly realized that this is what he needs to do, but it's sort of nice in retrospect that he's doing that. And he gives a shout-out to Ian, Barbara, and Susan, even mm. though that makes it confusing when he says he has no family and he's literally mentioning Susan in the
0: same freaking story. Well, no surviving family, <laughs> uh, I guess. I don't know.
1: Uh,
0: Doctor lies, my man.
1: I guess so. But he's just seen Susan alive in The Five Doctors not that long ago. Uh, mm.
0: So. Uh, lots yeah. to talk about there. But also, I mean, we need to talk about things in even more detail in our newsletter, <laughs> yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that you could subscribe to. Yes. If you didn't get enough of our rants on the curse of Fenric, go to pull subscribe to our newsletter. You'll get full notes on this episode and you can relive it all, all those full written notes. Um, you can also support us with a paid subscription over there and as well as on Patreon. So go ahead and support the podcast at patreon.com slash pull to open. And you will also get, slotted into that true companion sp- slot on youtube just let us know your handle
1: mm, yes and come join us come talk about the curse of fenric or not if you if you've decided after listening to us you never want to talk about the curse of fenric that's also fine um come on we'll we'll have you talk about anything
0: yeah in fact share your desire to never talk about it with us on the socials <laughs> we're at pull to open on tiktok pull to open 63 on twitter And at either one of those on Instagram, Facebook, threads and blue sky, just Google it, Google it. All right. Is it time now? I think it's time. (laughs) It's time for the four questions to doomsday. All right. Fenric sound effect there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right why did the randomizer take us here really come on dude really? tell me. come on why why okay i i think that the the randomizer is an
1: evil and capricious old god that we've evidently been playing some ancient chess match with that we didn't understand the rules of and now it's played this move against us now <laughs> I, I think that the the randomizer actually seems to want to put the curse of fenric in the worst possible light um, <laughs> because i think i think that you know a lot of what people like about the Curse of Fenric is that they're watching McCoy in order, right? Um, right. Often yeah. with the randomizer, taking a story out of order improves it. I don't think that is, that is the case here. I think it has the exact opposite effect because especially coming straight from New Who and a New Who with production values like
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Magician's uh, Apprentice and Witches Familiar, you, you really see just how terrible everything was and how bad a decision to shoot everything on location on video with the muddy sound was. Uh, you, you don't get any of the, the lead, any of the, the sort of the satisfying answers, to the questions that Curse of Fenric provides in terms of, you know, Fenric uh, creating the time vortex or whatever, you know, everything else that he's there to explain previously in the series, or the reference to Perry Vale that, you know... Uh, post-dates ghost light when she predated it but whatever you know at least you have that connect those connecting strands right and mm. here it's you just don't get any of it because we're seeing it out of order
0: maybe we are seeing it true
1: you know in a way uh-huh. it
0: <laughs> yeah that makes sense see I, I had a simpler explanation it's that in our codex the magician's apprentice and the witch is familiar is story number 257 mm-hmm. and the curse of Fenrix. Fenrick's Curse of Fenrick's The next Curse of Fenrick is story 157. Wow. So I think it's the randomizer is just lazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you've read the Viking runes on this, and what you're translating is a, a story about a randomizer that just wants to go 100 numbers back.
0: Exactly you know we just we just did the 60th anniversary so you know round numbers are the thing it's like boom nice and simple so
1: yeah and i guess it's it's this is a four year and this that was done in a nine year so this is the something fifth anniversary of uh is it what 35th (laughs) anniversary this year of curse of fenric this this how was it yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, 1989. It was Halloween, 1989, when this was filmed, which is why it's out of order from from Light. It was supposed to pre- precede it, but then JNT is all like, "No, Curse of Fenric for Halloween."
0: Uh, so this is like the 35th anniversary of this story this year.
1: It will be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: wow. This is like the three Doctors of <laughs> the Curse of Fenric. Okay. Yeah. Too many references. Uh, moving yeah. on. Second question. What if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay, so presumably the evil <coughs> plot is
1: Fenric's and not Doctor's Evil. the Doctor's evil plot to make Ace hate him. You know, if, if that succeeds, maybe it happens permanently and Ace doesn't adventure on with him.
0: Yeah, I don't think we... Like, the Doctor is such a manipulator at this stage that to smack him around for that, you'd have to smack him around for it in every episode. But mm. we could do that. But I think it's pretty simple in that the thing that would not work is the Doctor convincing the Ancient One that to betray Fenric. Because mm. he has to do that. He has to have a conversation with him and say that you, you can't win because you will prevent yourself from coming into existence if you do this. That seems to convince him. Right. So if he's not persuaded...
1: If, and if he's insta- like, no, I'm going to actually sacrifice myself to give Earth a better future because... The future I'm seeing is is worse than anything you can imagine.
0: Yeah. I Which guess. Would actually I don't to, know, but doesn't uh, it want uh, it worse? Uh, it's a weird thing. You don't really get too much into the ancient one's character.
1: Uh, He's just uh, he
0: just seems really bored, to be honest with you. Yes. Like, what do you want what do you need me to do here, Fenric? Huh? You want me to splash this guy open? Should I throw the chemicals on the girl here? What are we doing? Let me know. <laughs> I just want to get back to my, you know, seabed and <laughs> hang out. Yeah,
1: speaking of the chemicals, like that, we we like the the notion that they're going to have any effect whatsoever is kind of counteracted by the fact that the
0: doctor and Ace kind of get uh, get gassed by the. Chemicals. Well, I don't know if that was the same stuff, but to your point, yeah, because the the effect in that scene seems to show that they're really gassed. Like, yeah. there's a lot of gas, and then they they're fine, but the gas, like, it's supposed to be like nerve gas, right? Mm-hmm. And that's bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's bad. You need gas max for that if you're even going to have a hope of surviving it. So, so what? Is, is the TARDIS protecting the Doctor Nice somehow? I guess. Even though, by the way, apparently the TARDIS has given up on translating.
0: Oh, yeah. The Doctor does a lot of Russian and various yeah. other languages and maybe even Viking or something.
1: Yeah. And huh. he- think That the TARDIS would do that, but anyway, sorry, get back to the evil plot. Yeah, succeeding. Um, well,
0: I just think the yeah. the ancient one then doesn't work for the doctor, sides with Fenric, it kills Ace and presumably the doctor. So we have McGann all of yeah. a sudden, and the chemicals. I don't know how sudden the end of the world happens, like it feels like they have to distribute these chemicals somehow. So the McGann doctor then has to. Save whatever humans you can from the chemical weapons and the hemivore. or or is it hemo I guess the hemovores are dead, right, because the ancient one kills them, which again I don't even know why he does that. it seems like a real tactical yeah. blunder. Now my soldiers are gone, and I haven't actually won yet
1: so the the end of the world that's being referenced here, I believe, is supposed to be
0: Ragnarok okay, right? yeah, that was actually. Excised from the script, the word. It I was think, excised
1: from the script because again, JNT is like, no, we had mention of the gods of Ragnarok like a season ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are going to be like, "What's
0: this?" <laughs> I that don't I'll buy a know. little bit, but I, you know, Ragnarok's Ragnarok, dude. <laughs> exactly. I it's would have thing.
1: bought Ragnarok, so you know that that would be exactly the the answer to what happened to the evil plot succeed. You know, ancient Norse Ragnarok, which is a very specific thing about the world folding up but not being not being disposed of entirely and and the whole cycle starting again
0: so there's ragnarok and we have a mcgann doctor that's doing what he can to fight ancient one and and fenric on a ravaged earth okay uh,
1: that that i'm interested in now you have my attention No, now you have a continued Doctor Who series that doesn't actually enter cancellation. Paul McGann versus the Forces of Ragnarok. I'm in. I'm sitting down in front of that. Get Neil Gaiman to write for it. He's a he's an up and coming comic book writer at the time, like but he's really into Norse mythology. Um uh, yeah. I think this is yeah. a big finish call us. <laughs> yes. Redeeming the curse of Fenric with with
0: Ragnarok and Paul McGann. I love it. We'll totally do that. We'll write that for you, Big Finish. All right, we're coming up on the next question, which is, where is the Clara Splinter? All right, so here's where I've got her. Clara, by the
1: way, we're splintered in time at the end of the name of the Doctor. She's somewhere in the background (laughs) of every Doctor in the story. Uh, We know that she saves the McCoy Doctor from his literal cliffhanger with the umbrella,
0: or at least shouts at him. Uh, Yeah, where is she in the Curse of Fenric, Pete? I think she's running the local hobby shop. (laughs) <laughs> so someone has to be supplying people with all these chess sets and mm. she is ensuring there is a healthy variety of them. they're all over the place and she's she's specifically sourcing them from Nordic countries too so you got some some Viking ones in there in the mix mm. so that's what she's doing making sure there's there's a healthy supply of chess playing and uh chess sets all over the place here
1: yeah chess Clara the chess sales person yeah I, I like that. Yeah, you know, there's cool. not a lot of other things to do in the Northeast. Here's here's my issue that I'm, I'm hoping you can help me figure out how Clara can clear this up. Because so much of this is dependent on bloodlines, right? On the idea that everyone's a relative of, of the Vikings who settled this. If you're a relative of the Vikings who settled this area, then you, you are a, a wolf of Fenric. Um, right. Okay, sure, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the problem is... Something we now know through genetics, which they did not know at the time, is that if you go as far back as a uh, thousand AD, literally everyone in Europe is a descendant of everyone in Europe at that time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it is. You know, uh, I highly recommend it. you look up the word of the Genes- work of the geneticist Adam Rutherford, who writes a lot of books about this. He's written a lot of stories about this. But he he mentions like, you know, he he, he trades off the fact that, you know, Christopher Lee, uh, the actor, used to say that he was descended from Charlemagne. Um, Right, You know, that he traces family tree to Charlemagne. Well, guess what? Literally everyone in Europe is descended from Charlemagne. Because there yeah, just around. aren't enough pe- enough great 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 grandparents to go around, and eventually they double up, and they double up faster if you're a European royal and you're inbred. But they, mm. they double up for everyone eventually. So by by the t- in fact the the date that they have set is one thousand, right around where where the Vikings uh, appear. Mm. Everyone has a common ancestor, so everyone is descent. So everyone's a wolf of Fenric. So. Either Clara is like distributing, you know, pills to some of the people in the base to stop them being affected by this bloodline thing, uh, or she's she's creating a different, like she's put them into like a different genetic universe where that where that doesn't work, where where there is a very specific bloodline. I don't know. Help me out me here,
0: <laughs> You're way beyond help. I I was out zoning out when you were saying everyone in Europe is a relative of everyone in Europe, which is like (laughs) it's kind of like one equals one. Uh,
1: But everyone in Europe now is a relative of everyone in Europe then in the year one
0: thousand. I think I got it, but
1: if you go any further forward, like eleven hundred. But I
0: mean, I guess is your point that she's somehow responsible for certain people not being affected by Fenric, even though everyone is. Technically could be a, a wolf of Fenric, right? Yes. So yeah. I guess there's that. Maybe she's, she's running around as she's selling chess sets and she's dream catchers for something. Or just she's, just books on faith. That's what she's selling. <laughs> Self-help. That's what's helping everyone resist. Okay. I like okay. that. She's figuring it out. All right, it's time for the final question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for the curse of Fenric. What did we think of this story? The multi-open rating system has six ratings. There's the Dalek, which we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which we give to an irredeemably bad episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater, we give to a bad episode of Doctor Who, but hey, at least they tried something. The Viscount Banger, which we give to the best of the best, The Fixed Point in Time, which is a show that we can't rate. It's beyond rating, usually for nearly reasons of nostalgia. And The Lady Cassandra, which is a paper-thin plot, but hey, at least it looks good, especially with a little moisturizing.
1: Mm.
0: All right, what do you say, Chris?
1: I, I say that uh, many Doctor Who fans are deluding themselves and and should be giving this a fixed point in time. Like That's what they're really, mm. that's why Curse of Henrik is rated so high. Um, I do want to briefly backtrack and say that maybe Clara is also responsible for the subsidence of the grave that the Doctor notices, because it's supposed to be a fresh grave, but the last date is in 1898. So, like, mm. what, what the hell? So, you know, Doctor's wrong about that. Anyway, <coughs> sorry, we're not on the third question, we're on the fourth question. And yeah, this is, I mean, I, I really wish that I could find something redeeming here. I really wish that they, I could feel that they tried something new to, to enough of an extent to give it a, a, a professor hater. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't, yeah. all I see is a show that it's on its last legs that is almost sabotaging itself at this point a show on which everyone has internalized the notion that this is just a bad thing. That's heading for cancellation. Uh, and are they're, they're bringing it about. Um, so, and, and I just don't get a good feeling from it. I, I really wanted to really was open to it and I don't, and I'm sorry, but this is a big old stinky ogron for me.
0: Yeah. You know what? I, I was going to be generous and sort of grade this on a curve big time. And, I think I could pull out a Dalek from it, but I, I can't really do it. I can't, you know. I, I've, after discussing it, I mean, you're not wrong. Is is the problem? <laughs> There's so many problems with this, and even on the curve, I can't recommend this as a good episode of Doctor Who. Certainly not to anyone who isn't familiar with the classic series. I would never uh, say start with the Curse of Fenric. Uh, yeah. It's not definitely not even even if it were good, I wouldn't say start there, but. It's it's kind of ruined. There are good ideas here. I want it to be better. I want this to be mm-hmm. better. There are. I like that it's said in World War II. I think the idea, of the ancient one, that again reflects talents of Wang Chiang, uh, You know, the I think McCoy is quite good in this, in that he's yeah. really playing that sort of master manipulator thing. So, even though I'm almost convincing myself to reverse myself again, I th- I've got to go with Professor Hater. They tried something, but. It, it, it's, just, it's just ruined. It's, it got ruined somewhere along the way and maybe it's a budget thing, but I don't think it's just a budget thing. This is the doctor who always had a budget problem. Yeah. This is a lack of will thing. Um, exactly. we, so the budget is never
1: an excuse. We know from the new show, like they could have done heaven sent in the classic era. No, mm. problem. no problem at all. You know, you uh, it just, you know, and, and throwing all your budget into masks, you know, mm. terrible masks. The Hemovore like you didn't need to do that. It would be much more creepy if they hadn't, like, transformed into vampire-like things. You know. Yeah,
0: I got to say this: the Curse of Fenric feels like the show's faith in itself has been shaken. Yeah, and the it's being consumed yeah. by the Hemovore that is Michael Grade at the BBC at this point. You know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it just, you know, even Ian Briggs himself, who who purports to be very proud of, of Curse of Fenric, of having written, it said in his uh, Doctor Who uh, magazine interview, by, well, he was talking to Andrew Cartmel for this, and he says, obviously, there are things that don't work terribly well, things in the script that aren't clear, but overall, it was a decent idea. Uh, and even Cartmel himself didn't like the, the costumes, the hemophores. So like, even the people who are its biggest defenders and biggest boosters aren't really that into it when you do yeah. it So, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. think we got to be honest and say, no, don't don't show this to your non-Doctor Who friends. Like, it's not even a, so bad it's good. It's not, there's not a lot of fun to be had. It's not like Meg Loss. Screens of sulphur. Exactly. I'm going to say, oh, I'm giving it a dollar because I had a fun time and I enjoyed how bad it was. Like, I didn't enjoy how bad this was in any way, shape, or form.
0: All right, folks. Well, you can v- disagree with us all you want. All you have to do is go to Spotify right now and vote for your rating on the Curse of Fenric. Isn't a Dalek, Professor Hader, Ogron, Vicon, Banger, Fixed Point in Time, Related Cassandra? Have your say. Vote now while Chris and I dive into the water of <laughs> the randomizer. That's right. I, I'm prepared to drown. Uh, after this,
1: uh, if, if that's what it takes to get us out of here. So, yes, the randomizer, are two components. Peter's looking at the first one, the codex, the list of all Doctor Who stories in sequential order. Uh, Pete, how many stories have we left to do?
0: We have 195, if you can believe that.
1: Wow. Ticking I them off. Can, I can believe it. 195. Uh, so, I plug those numbers into random.org, which is the executor, which uses true randomness, not. Algorithmic randomness to generate random numbers, and I plug one and one nine five, and and Randall uh, we'll, will will look around the atmosphere, and uh, you know some some ancient chess game will be played up there in ways that we are not privy to understanding. Uh, but before we do that, we'd like to give it challenges the randomizer, and I'll go first here because I I, I want to say get us out of here because do anything but McCoy, but I'm not going to say that. Hmm. I'm going to say, because I know the randomizer likes the opportunity to mess with us. so I'm going to say, take us forward. Take us forward. <laughs> okay. And the randomizer knows that when I say that, I'm I'm hoping for new who. Right. But also, it could take us to survival. Right. It
0: could. Or take the TV to movie. Survival.
1: Or the TV movie. <laughs> and, There's uh, a. Yeah.
0: Not not uh, zero chance of that happening.
1: Exactly. So, you know, I I feel like the randomizer won't be able to resist this and we'll we'll just sort of, we'll we'll do this little stretch of McCoy in order or we'll go to McGann and talk about the TV just Whatever you want randomizer, just take us forward.
0: Okay, that's good. Well, I admire the choice of a World War II setting, so I'm going to ask for that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be set in World War II or during those years. I think if there are robust references to the war in some way mm. that works so that opens yeah. it up a little bit
1: does and... open it up to a lot of new who I would say more than old here
0: hmm definitely yeah. um, though there is some references to World War II particularly in the Pertwee era where he was earthbound and with mm. unit in the 1970s slash 80s where you know World War II was fairly recent history so there could be stuff there Right.
1: alright well go, go forward and or Give us World War II. These are our pleas, please to the randomizer, <laughs> please to the ancient randomizer uh, that's been here from the dawn of time, or maybe it's from our future, we're not quite sure. Anyway, uh, give me a countdown, we'll we'll find out where we're going.
0: Here we go in four, three, two, one. Emergency
1: temporal shift! Five,
0: wow. Five, no way. (laughs) My goodness, it is the Reign of Terror. Oh, wow, okay, a lost story. Yeah, very missing. Uh, It's not entirely missing. I think there's a few episodes of this that survive. Okay. Um, So we're going to be finding those, and there's probably, uh, for the ones that are missing – the you know the telesnap versions because i think there's quite a few of those that still survive in addition to the uh the episodes that survive
1: indeed and oh boy the randomizer just loves the history corner doesn't it
0: yes good
1: <laughs> times I'm wow to tell you all about the french revolution and the
0: terror that followed it aren't i great i think we're gonna have to get into the corner it's gonna be great okay. folks next time when we take on the reign of terror one of the first pure historicals from the william hartnell era guys this has been pulled to open it is a podcast podcasts are great things to subscribe to or follow on whatever app you might be encountering us on especially if it's youtube subscriptions really help the show and go ahead and turn on notifications so you'll get to know when we have new content Oh, follow us on all the socials. We're at pull to open or pull to open sixty three. Go ahead and Google it. Uh, we always post lots of stuff. No, we don't, but we do post stuff, and we do post cool videos on a lot of networks, particularly TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and that's a good way to comment and uh, let us know your thoughts on our thoughts.
1: Indeed, let us know, please, please, let us. Don't be shy. If you love the Curse of Henrik, we really want to hear from you. We'll read out your opinion on the show. And we will see you next time in revolutionary France. And you know what, Pete? I I feel like a march to the guillotine sounds pretty good right now.
0: (laughs) Au revoir, everybody.